In today's show, we look back at Wednesday. There were 10 games on. There was an Anthony Davis return, a Rui Hachimura debut, an injury in Portland, big performances from rookies, second-year players. So much stuff. We'll talk about it all. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So here we are to talk about Wednesday's games in the NBA. A quick reminder before we uh, before we get it on, Gilly, that on February the 9th, the trade deadline, 1.30 p.m., we're going to be going live on YouTube. The landing page is already there. It'll be linked in the show notes. It'll be linked in the description. And it'll be a trade deadline show. I don't know how long we'll go for. We'll go for at least an hour and a half, probably two hours, breaking down all the trade deadline shows. This is the show you want to be for. There, We'll have live interaction. Um, hit the likes on it to get it out. Share it to people. I want thousands of people in there um, as we're going live. We'll get probably get guests in, I'm guessing, and we'll see how we go with all of that, but breaking down everything that happens. This is going to be the biggest live show of the year, so make sure you are a part of it. If you remember the um, trade deadline show we did last season, this will be a completely different format. This will be just fantasy the whole way through. Um, it'll be more akin to what we did with the live NBA draft show, which was a pretty big success. So I think this will be pretty good. I'm really excited to do it, so just head over to it. Make sure it's in your bookmarks. I'll keep banging it on and reminding you, don't worry. NBA trade deadline live show, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some news. Um, Bobby Portis. talked. I talked yesterday saying I was worried about the knee sprain issue. I was worried. And it turns out there was some reason to be worried. It was an MCL sprain. They're saying uh, reevaluated in two weeks. I'm saying no. I'm so, again. I'm always going to just add more on. Two weeks, no problem. Three, three to four. We're looking at here. I think with Bob, a grade one MCL sprain. You can come back in, in yeah, two to three weeks. It's not really ideal, and that two weeks pushes you to the All Star break or close enough to it. I think yeah, with the injury here, the way the Bucks are relatively comfortable, I think you just sit him out to the All Star break. Personally, we'll talk more about the Bucks and their game today without Portis. Safe to say, as an early spoiler, I don't think that you want to grab Pat Connaughton, despite an unbelievable game today. We'll talk about it later. Devin Booker is going to be reevaluated in one week with his groin injury. It would have been great if Landry Shamet could have played more than like two games in this time that Booker's out, but he's out again tomorrow. Shamet eight and is probable, by the way. With Booker out and Shamet, you know, doing whatever it is that he's doing, it's just a whole bunch of miscreants who aren't really doing much to be must-roster players. You've got Damian Lee and Saban Lee and Torrey Craig and Dario Saric. had a bunch of blokes stepping in and up and all over the shop. Um, but yeah, Booker looks like a week away. In absolutely staggering news, Danny Green is going to be back on February the 1st. 
Now, you might say, Josh, why is that staggering? And I'll tell you why it's staggering, because he tore his ACL and his LCL, two ligaments, eight months ago. Eight months. Um, took Jonathan Isaac three years to come back. Joe Ingles was back in 10 months. That's pretty quick. Eight months is absurd to come back from. And you do have many Europeans, hey, in soccer, they come back six to seven months all the time. In Australian football, they come back about 10 to 11 months, sometimes sometimes 10, right? That, that is normal. The standard um, NBA recovery seems to be 12 months. I guess some of that is grass impact versus hardwood impact. This part of it there, although sometimes the grass boots and cleats getting stuck allows them for more twisting. Yeah, 10 to 11 months, that was fast for Ingles. It wasn't crazy. Eight months is actually crazy though for Danny Green at age 35 to be back. Now, the immediate question that I would have got, I did, no, I would have got, I did get from some people, hey, do we add him? Ah, you don't, no way. Like maybe in a 20-team league, he's going to be useful or a 16-team league in fantasy playoffs, but it doesn't mean you even add him now. All he does is he comes in and probably takes John Conchar's minutes, uh, maybe a couple of Zaire Williams. It'll be a slow process. He's not going to have a starting role. And even in a 25-minute starting role, you wouldn't be rostering him in 12-team or 14-team leagues anyway, and definitely not in points leagues. So it's unbelievable that he's back, but yeah, that doesn't mean much trust for fantasy. Now I wrote this note here on Don Mitchell, and I don't really know how to talk about it. He's Don. He's good. Well, that's not true. I do know how to talk about it because the absolute continued nonsense with teams and soft tissue injuries continue. Mitchell came back too early from a groin injury, in my opinion. Played 38 minutes, which is too much, in my opinion. Hurt his groin at the end of the game, which is not my opinion, which is literally a fact. And then after the game, and then earlier today, he didn't practice, and they said, oh, the Cavs are fearing multiple missed games. Mitchell himself said, it feels like the same time, the same thing that I did the first time, which was a weak absence, again, too short. So put all that together with reporters saying the Cavs fear multiple game absence, he's going to miss the games on the road trip. All right, he's going to be out multiple games. And then, of course, an hour later, the injury report comes out. Donovan Mitchell, questionable for Thursday. Are you dickhead serious? Like, is he, is he actually going to play? Or is it going to be one of these, again, like Lamelo Ball questionables or Gordon Hayward doubtfuls or Rudy Gobert groin soreness questionables on a back-to-back where he misses both games? It leaves us in a precarious position in terms of what we do with Karis Levert. I would be flabbergasted if Mitchell plays in this game. They've got a Thursday, Friday back-to-back. I'll tell you one thing. He's not playing both of them. You can write that in as permanent a marker as you can find as long as there's a small chance you're going to race it. He's surely not playing both games. After they said, ooh, I don't know if he's playing this road trip, he's questionable for Thursday. What is with the obsession? And I've been banging on about this on this show for about five or six years about the mismanagement of soft tissue injuries in the NBA. And we've got another one here. Far out. I am Speaking of soft tissue injuries, I'm worried about Gordon Hayward. What a shock that is as well. Came back, played 24, 25 minutes, set out the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. Well, played Monday, set out Tuesday. I, mean, I got standard rest coming up from a hamstring injury. So then he's listed questionable on Thursday. What does that mean? Well, Hornets injury reports don't actually mean anything, so I don't know. But the fact that he's listed questionable is a concern. I wouldn't add Gordon Hayward. Lamelo Ball, also questionable. And while it is frustrating the way they're labeling this injury with him, I do think he is going to return, if not on Thursday, the end of the week. Maybe Saturday, uh, Sunday, I think the next game is. Maybe he's able to return Sunday, which obviously would kill the value of Dennis Smith. But they continue to be extraordinarily frustrating with their injury reporting, as we know. And as I already mentioned, DeAndre Ayton is listed probable. So that probably does eliminate the Bismarck Biombo value, but also probably the Dario Saric production as well, I think. 
Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. That's right, the NFL playoffs are here. We are down to four teams only, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from Moneyline stuff, from uh, spreads, player props. It's all there. And you can double or not double, increase your chances of a bigger payout by putting things together in a same-game parlay. If we go and have a look, what screen do I have up here? We've got the NBA for tomorrow. We've got the Knicks as eight-point underdogs against the Celtics. Seems a little bit. It seems a bit, a bit much. The Nets are nine-point favorites against the Pistons. Doesn't seem enough. So which one of those do you think has more value? What about the, the Hornets as five-and-a-half-point home dogs against the Bulls? All of the action is over there. We've also got Australian Open action. Um, what have we got here? Tsitsipas, big favorite over Karen Kachanov. Think Tsitsipas is going to get it done? Is he going to beat Jokovic if he gets that way in the final? Jokovic is a minus 2,000 favorite against Tommy Paul, by the way. That's a funny uh, That's a funny one. You can check all that out over at Fangel on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fangel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fangel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. That'll take us into the first of the 10 games. So let's do it. It's your Indiana Pacers and your Orlando Magic. Um, the Magic win it. Actually, a pretty good team. Oh, they're not good. They're okay. 120-126, the Magic get it done over the Pacers. There was no Nempard. He was sick again. Halliburton out, of course. Daniel Tice continues to remain... I don't know. I don't. Is he, is he ever going to play a game this season? Is this a real injury? What is actually going... Not that I care, because they've got 30 centers, but... What's actually going on with his knee? Just, just a quick aside. I'll never mention it again. Um, Nembhard out. So they started Chris Duarte, and he played a whopping 39 minutes. Duarte, 16 points, 5 assists, and 6 steals. Now, part of the reason I liked taking Duarte in round 11 or round 12 of a lot of my mock drafts is I thought he would start a ahead of Nembhard, quite clearly. And I thought that he would be a guy that could get me two threes and 1.5 steals, which was pretty valuable at that point of the draft. Now, of course, he was shithouse. He hurt his ankle. Um, Nempard took the spot and he's been useless ever since. This was a really good game from Duarte. It brings him to 335th on a per-game basis for the season, which, of course, for those of you who can count, is pretty bad. I wouldn't be rushing to add Duarte here. Again, there are two players, Nempard and Halliburton, who are going to return and, and cut the value right down. But it was at least interesting to stream there. A little bit more of a pedestrian game from McConnell, but why can't this bloke ever miss? 17-3-8 with 100% shooting. Didn't have any defensive stats, which is a bit of a disappointment for him, but otherwise, great game. Miles Turner, also great. 22 and 13, but with about 24 seconds left, he limped off the court with an ankle injury. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I haven't actually had any updates from the paces on it at all, but it's something to watch. And what you do watch is then Isaiah Jackson because Jacko played 13 minutes. He only had three blocks. That's six blocks over the last two games. And I think he's played fewer than 20 minutes combined. The luxury stash just became a little bit more than luxury. Because if Turner misses a game, we assume that Jackson starts, Carlisle Dickery aside, and then that's 25 minutes and big, big numbers. So if there was ever a time for you to go and grab Isaiah Jackson, two weeks removed from the trade deadline with luxury stash, but also short-term, maybe big value, now's the time to do it. Could it completely fart in your mouth? Absolutely. 
It could do nothing. They might say start Jalen Buss Smith in front of him. And Sticks might go out there and put up five and five in 30 minutes on 12% shooting. That is definitely possible. But we always try to look at what are the probabilities? Jackson's better. Yes, we see that we have eyes. And for those of us who don't have eyes, we can just feel the vibes that Jackson's better. Turner just got hurt at the end of the game, and there's a trade deadline coming up. I don't think Turner's going to get traded. But I think that the payoff of having Jackson is high enough to offset the small chance that it happens. And now you've got a situation where Turner might actually be hurt, so go grab him. Again, might not work. Doesn't matter. You wait, we take the flyers. We don't take the flyers on O'Shea Brissett or Terry Taylor. We take them on Isaiah Jackson. We've got four Trevlin Queen minutes for those of you who care. Well, Aaron Neesmith continues to be, honestly, just the, the he Dennis Greendus. He is who we thought he was. Shit house. Zero points, missed all five of his shots, had a steal, had no other numbers. Continues to start. How long is that going to last? I fear he's going to be one of those guys that moves out of the starting lineup and just never plays again because he just struggles. He has some good defensive moments, but yeah, we don't need to worry about Neesmith in 12-teamers. Let's go to the Magic. Should we start with the big fella, John Isaac? Eight minutes, five points. The two steals are genuinely re- really exciting. His steal numbers, no one has questioned anything about defensive numbers. But what I told you about him last game was, hey, will he continue to shoot 67% from three? No, he hit 50%, which is actually still pretty bloody high. And nor would he continue with 37% usage. He had 20% usage in this game. The steals, that is what he brings. He's a steal specialist. So is Alex Caruso. So is Gary Payton. I'm not saying that Isaac's not a higher upside player than those guys, because he clearly is. But I just fear it's going to be such a frustrating situation with him and waiting for minutes to get up, where you're going to be dealt with so many of these sort of games. And this is why I wasn't as big on him. But if you've made the commitment to add now, Stick with it for a bit, for sure. But this is why I wasn't that keen, is I just thought it would be such a slow process to get there. And you don't have the ability to stash in IL anymore. He's got to take up a roster spot. Either that you get zeros or you get this sort of production, which again, the two steals are really nice. But do we really expect two steals every eight minutes? No, because that would mean he would average eight steals a game as a 30-minute player, which of course is ludicrous. So everything else there seems about normal for eight minutes of play. But he could easily have just had one, five, one, and two with no steals, and the game and the game would look dreadful. This is why, because of the worry about not playing for so long, back-to-backs being set out, a slow ramp up, the upside maybe only 22 minutes a night anyway. Yeah. Wendell Carter, I think he's really good. 18 and 10 with two blocks, while Paolo had 23, four assists, two steals, and Gaz Harris. Big, big game from Gaza. Nice, Gary! 22 points with six threes, not, nothing else. And we're not adding him anywhere outside of like very deep leagues or streamers for threes. Fulci had 13 with eight assists. I don't know what show it was on, but someone was asking me, hey, what do we do with Cole Anthony? And I said, this is the risk, right? Eight points on nine shots. That's exactly what he had. He did have five assists, but in those low minutes, the fluctuations in his game-to-game value make him a really tough 12-team league hold. As for Bol, oh, dang, I'm just going to warm up my clicking finger. Get that garbage out! Nine and eight with a block. Nine and eight with a block is actually not terrible. It's not bad. He's probably a 14 to 16 team league guy, but the it was as clear as day that the 12 team value was not going to last. It has not lasted. You can say goodbye. And just in case I get a troll question again, yeah, you can drop Jalen Suggs. You can do it. Trust me. It'll be okay. The Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, 137 Philadelphia, 133 Brooklyn. No... Uh, Kevin Durant again, of course. Curry was great. 30 points, 10 assists, and two threes. And the big fella, Seth Curry, 35 minutes, 32 points with seven threes. Again, it's a very high usage game with not much outside of uh, threes and points. The four assists are nice. 
but he's established himself ahead of Joe Harris and probably up ahead or close to Royce O'Neal as a streaming guy. We highlighted him on the streaming show yesterday, saying there was a three-game in four-night stretch coming up here for the Nets, and he's a good guy to look at. I hope hope you did that one because it's worked out pretty well. Nicky Claxton, I, what he is doing at the moment is unbelievable. 25 and 11 on 92% shooting with two blocks. The usage has gone up a little bit, but it's more that now he's playing 36 minutes a night instead of 28. Will he continue to play those big minutes when Durant is back? I'd have to think probably yes. He looks unbelievable. I I, I loved him as a pick at 100, 110, 130. I didn't, I didn't see this. No way. I was worried. Like, is he going to play 26 minutes a night? They're going to go small. Um, Durant's going to play center. I was, I was worried that he wouldn't be able to stay on the court for 30 minutes. Now he's just dominating. Joe Harris had eight points in 20 minutes. That's why you can't trust him. And somehow, somehow with Kevin Durant out, TJ Warren's minutes go down. Nine minutes for TJ in, with two points. Now, maybe that's because it's the first of a back-to-back that they're limiting him here. But everything's been trending downwards anyway. You can jack him pretty comfortably. While well, Royce O'Neal had eight, four, and five. Not the greatest night from the Basmati man. On to the sixes. This is what we want to see. 30 minutes for Maxi, 27 points, five assists, two steals, six triples. Love it. And then the wave pool, D'Anthony Melton played 34 minutes. So both guys getting the minutes. 19, 4, and 2, 1 steal, 3 blocks, 3 threes. Now, if I'm going to say when Melton shoots 20%, it's not sustainable. When he shoots 70%, I'm also going to tell you it's not sustainable. But the good thing about Melton is that he's got other areas where he helps. He'll hit some threes, he'll get some steals, he'll get some blocks, he'll get some assists. And once we saw him getting 30 minutes or 28 minutes, that remained a 12-team category holder. Still don't think that he's a must-roster in a points league. And I know people said, man, just give up on Melton. Give up Melton. I don't think I need to when he's playing 34 minutes a night. And they just they ran their best five players the majority of the minutes. And sorry, PJ, you're not one of the best five players. Tucker played 18 minutes in this game. Milton, Shake played 15. Nyang played 17. And Thibault played 12. I feel like we're going to get more and more into this Melton 27 to 30 minute range versus when they first made the move where he played 21-22. It's not set in stone. It's not guaranteed. But I do think that 12-team D'Anthony Melton is probably here. I'm a little worried about Embiid. He was limping quite a bit and grabbing his shoulder quite a bit during this game. He had 26 and 10 on 33%, which is dreadful. Not his best game, but I'm a little worried about the injury. While Jimmy Harden had 23, 3 and 7, two steals and one block. The next game. What is it? It is the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets. 108 Washington. Cool. One was the final score. 103 Houston. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. The Wizards. DeLon Wright started because Monte Morris was out. And unfortunately, he only played 26 minutes. He only scored five points, but he had four assists and three steals. And I think DeLon's a 12-team league guy just on steals and assists alone. It's a little bit disappointing to not have scored more, but that's fine. I guess the elephant in the room here is Kendrick Nunn, who had 12 points in 22 minutes. He also had four assists and two steals. The 22 minutes for Nunn, is that realistic as we move forward? There's a couple of things to look at here. Corey Kispert started, played 20 minutes. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Corey Kispert's very good. So him playing 20 minutes is not a surprise to me. I just don't think the Wizards are going to do that every game. There was also no Monte Morris in this game. And we also saw Will Barton at nine minutes. I'd probably rather play Kendrick Nunn than Will Barton, to be fair. But I wouldn't be rushing to add Kendrick Nunn on the back of this one game. If you're in a 16-teamer, go for it. Knock yourself out. Try it. See how it feels. In a 12-teamer, I wouldn't worry about it. Kuzma, 33-9, and nine, really strong game for him. But what we wanted to watch was Dan Gafford. Josh, every time you say with Gafford, he stinks. He gets into foul trouble. Well, there you go. 33 minutes, 9-8, and eight, four blocks. That's what, what more can you want? 
Again, you look at those. There's, there's way more he can actually do here, to be fair, in 33 minutes. He can do a lot more than that. I still maintain that he is a 12-team league guy. And this was a game where he outperformed Denny Avdia. So before we make those sweeping judgments, man, I screwed up. I should have gone Avdia over Gafford. And I get that. But like that one game doesn't indicate what's going to happen for the next two weeks or for the rest of the season. And you saw it here. If this game had happened yesterday instead of today, people would have gone, yeah, Gafford, man, that's the right choice. I shouldn't have gone with Avdia. All right, that's how things can change. And it's going to be back and forth a lot. Denny, despite another starter being out in Morris, he still came off the bench. He played 30 minutes. And he had 10 and 10 with the triple one. It's still a pretty good line. But the problem is he can't consistently shoot. 31% shooting and one of two from the line for Avdia. He's totally fine for a 12-team league guy. I see him losing that a little bit of that value when Chris Dabbs comes back, whereas Dan can probably hold a little bit more value. I think Denny needs 30 to be a 12-team league player. I think Dan needs 25. And I think that they could both settle in around 30 and 25, but the likelihood of Avdia keeping 30 and moving to 27, which one, I think it's more likely he moves to 27 versus Gafford moving from 25 to 19. I think that's probably more likely. I think it's a real buy low on Brad Beal. I don't think he's shithouse, but he's not far off at the moment. 17, 3, and 4 with a triple zero. Bad from the field, bad from the line. He's 142nd since he's returned. He's going to be better than this, but maybe there's a reason he was going in the 40s in drafts. Well, I had him in the 40s, so that's, there was a reason. Um, he's just really struggling at the moment. I think he can be better than this. As I said, Corey Kispert, not very good. On to the Rockets. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Imagine imagine thinking this guy wasn't good. Imagine thinking Bruno Fernando was the option. Shengun played 37 minutes, 21, 11, and 10. Three steals, two blocks, 63% shooting. I know I've made some claims about him saying, hey, I think there is Jokic light upside. If he played 35... I think in the preseason, I said if he plays 35 minutes a night, he would be a top 40 player. Well, I'm, I was wrong. He's actually a top 20 player at the moment. Um, I worry a little bit that these assist numbers are going to be limited when Kevin Porter returns, but I don't think they're going to be the 3.3 that they were before Porter went out. I think we're going to sit at like 5, 5.2, something like that, instead of like the 7 that's currently there. They're, they've figured out that, oh, yeah, man, look, I know every other person with you know, eyes could have seen that he could have should have had the ball more. We could have figured it out, but it took a while for Houston to do it, and they figured it out, and he's playing really well. Um, what's his overall long-term upside? What's his overall upside this season? Top 10, I don't think so. I think top 30 is probably reasonable for Shengun rest of season. What's his upside overall? I don't think he can ever be a top 10 fantasy player. I I'm not going to rule it out though. I don't think he gets it. Consistently, at least. He'll have little stretches maybe. I I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out though. I think he's actually just really good. And we are. he's 21 years old. We're seeing it develop now. And yeah, I, I don't know what more to say. I think he's really good. I think we've got to hold KJ Martin, to be honest. I was a little bit skeptical uh, when Porter comes back. You might have to drop KJ. I don't know about that. 34 minutes, 16 and 13, block. There's a lot of clamoring from Rockets. People like, dude, just finish this Eric Gordon bullshit. Like, KJ just needs to continue to start. I don't know how you possibly bench him after this run of form. And I actually tend to agree with that. I don't know that they will, but I'm worth. it's worth holding. Like, it's worth holding KJ to see what happens. Jalen Green, of course, he stunk with his shooting. 19 points on 19 shots, but for the first time in what feels like forever, he added something to it. Seven assists. That's encouraging. Tari preseason, no one shocked here. Jabari Smith's back, so preseason plays 19 minutes. Five points. He still had two blocks, but this is why we comfortably jack him now. As for Jabari, probably have to jack him, to be honest. Like, the only reason we'd be holding him is we know that his role is secure, and we know he was a high draft pick. Yeah, number three pick, we know that. But holy shit, six points, 20% shooting, no threes, a block, seven rebounds. 
you're better off streaming that spot, I think. And a lot of you would have already done that a while ago. I have some stubbornness with a guy like that. I just thought he could be much better than this. I think... I thought that, yeah, he, he wasn't the right pick at number one or two, so I feel justified in that. But holy shit, he looks bad. Like, just what, nothing happening. He's so dependent on others, and the ecosystem on this team is just dreadful for him to actually do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about him not being a good player long-term. I'm, I'm a little worried. But I'm not, not super worried. But for this season, yeah, like, pff, see you later. Game four. Nuggets... Bucks, 107 Milwaukee, 99 Denver. We don't really need to talk about Denver, apart from me to tell you that there was no Jokic, no Murray, no Porter, no Caldwell Pope. So we had four starters out. I mean, Aaron Gordon stepped up, 26 and 14 with two blocks. I mean, Bruce Brown did his thing, 12, 8 and 4, three steals and a block. That is the most Bruce Brown of Bruce Browns of all time. Baby shark, if only he had a shot better. I think what this does show is that like you cannot trust Bones Highland. He played just 25 minutes and had 15, 2 and 1 with everyone out. He's not going to be a 20-minute-a-night player. You can comfortably get rid of him in 12-team leagues. And my skepticism on him preseason feels a little bit justified at the moment as well. Najee didn't do much, 6-5, and while well, Christian Brown actually started over Bones Highland. Brownie had eight points with two threes. These guys are not going to be rotation players, a lot of these guys, every night. So, yeah, really hard to read anything into this. For the Bucks, as I said, Pat Connaughton went crazy. 38 minutes, 19-12 and 12 with five threes and two steals. He only had a usage of 10%. Keep that in your head, 10%. And he got here by hitting 88% of his shots. Being that red hot affords you extra minutes. And then that, all those numbers come. So while this is undoubtedly a 12-team league line, the problem we're going to have here is going, oh, Portis was out. Look what Connaughton did. And I don't think those two things are related. Portis being out doesn't make Connaughton an 88% shooter. Does it give him 38 minutes? It might push him to 38 minutes. But I also know that Middleton's not going to play 15 minutes a night, which is what he played here. So while Connaughton can be a streamer, we have seen Connaughton in situations where players have been out. Giannis and Middleton out for long periods of time, and he was just blur. The absence of Portis doesn't make him this excellent player. So I wouldn't rush to add him. As for the big man, Giannis and Tintokotoma too. Um, 33 and 14, four assists and three steals. Just brutal from the line. 15 of 22. You might not think that's brutal. It is. 68% on 22 attempts means you can't win the week. That's It's basically done. He kills you with that volume. Well, Drew Holiday had 20. As for Middleton, it's slow. It still might be a buy low. 10 points, 15 minutes, two threes, but at least he's out there. And Brooke Lopez, after that red-hot start, he has cooled off a lot. He still had four blocks, but five points on 18% doesn't get it done, and Grayson Allen continues to be nothing. Seven points with two threes for Grace. We also got good Joe Ingles minutes, who I do think will be able to benefit from Portis' injury. Five points in 27 minutes. We're more looking in 16 teams, maybe 14 for Joe, rather than 12, although he can be a 12-team streamer. And Javon Carter, is there any player with more difference between their best and worst? Last game, what do you have? 18 points with three steals and six triples or some shit. Today, he had one rebound. Like, that is it. Nothing else. One rebound. That's why you can't trust him, because he'll have a big game, and if you go to add him, that almost guarantees you're going to get nothing out of him in that game because the big game has been exhausted. He is just one of the most wildly inconsistent players in the NBA. In fact, I know I've given this to a few players before. Who was the one I gave it to recently? Oh, PJ Washington. But you know what? You get a uh, honorary one, Javon. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. The Atlanta Hawks, 137, beat the Thunder, 132. The end of this game was insane. It was just crazy stuff. The Hawks were, felt like they were trying to lose. Jalen, the Bronco Williams, was doing just crazy stuff. Broncos country, 
Let's rock. Yeah, he was killing him. It was an unbelievable end to the game. The Hawks still win it, but man, it was crazy. Trey was pretty strong in this one. 33, 3, and 11. While DeJounte Murray, again, it looks good. 21 points, but he went one of eight from three. That's pretty rough. And two rebounds, three assists. He had started to put it together with a few better performances, but you know my thing with him was if the defensive stats and the rebounds and assists aren't at the volume, then I'm not ready to trust overall shooting numbers for him. Rightfully so, I would think. So 21's good. The rest is bad. Capella played 28 minutes. That'll plan. Lisa needs braces. And the thing about this is, is the 28 minutes is what we expect, but it's not because he can't play more because he played 36 minutes literally last game. It's because they want to give a somewhat split between him and Okongwu. That is interesting. 18 and 10 with 100% shooting is a really good game from Clint. The free throws, don't worry. You already know you're punting them with him. As for Okongwu, 8 and 5 are stealing two blocks in 20 minutes. Is that enough? It's borderline. If you're in a stronger position, you can hold him because there's obviously upside. If Capella's calf slash Achilles goes for the fifth time in three years, he's got form with that, with that leg just buckling. That can happen. If you're in a battle situation, I'm not sure 20 is going to be enough. Hunter was out, so Bogdanovich finally had a good shooting night. 20 points on, 64% shooting with four assists, a steal and a block. We knew that there was going to be a turnaround at some point in the shooting, and it came here. While we had uh, the Baptists have 19 and 10, Johnny Collins, and AJ Griffin got extra playing time because Bogdanovich was out. Let's talk about the Thunder. Let's talk about the Bronco. 38 minutes for Jalen Williams, 24, 5, and 2 with four steals on 69% shooting. Giggity. He was a real handful for the Thunder in this game and showed his, I don't know if it's star upside, but really bloody good starter upside. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to call it a victory. He's already better than Lou Dort. Done. Victory, victory called. Not that I'm battling against anyone because I don't think anyone actually argued. Actually, people did. People always argue against things and I'll argue against things as well. He's already better than Lou Dort. He is a must roster player. The Bronco and I'm just more intrigued to see, holy shit, look at the usage. 16 field goal attempts. That is unbelievable. And he still needs to be a better three-point shooter. Hmm. Speaking of brilliant, Shea, 36-5 and 7, two steals and two blocks. I remember at the end of last season, we were talking about playoffs, and I banged on and on and on. For those of you who are here in the, pre, in the preseason and the offseason, how I kept talking about pushing back on Oklahoma fake shutdown narratives and saying, hey, if you played your fantasy playoffs in the dates that I recommended, the, best, the third best player overall was Shea Gildas-Alexander. And when I actually found out that stat, I was stunned. I was like, what? Shea was third. That seems crazy. How is that possible? But he was. And I used that stat ad nauseum through the preseason when people were panicking about tanking and telling me how the Thunder don't play anybody after Christmas. All this. And I said, hey, Shea did this. But then I made the mistake of saying, yeah, I don't think Shea is the third best player, but he was in that period. Well, maybe he was the third best player. What the? What's going on? He's the fifth best player this season on a per-game basis. He's eighth in points leagues. So I guess he's technically not third. He's just unbelievably good. And I should have seen that some of a sign of that. But again, it would have been absolutely irresponsible for me to come in and go, all right, guys, here's your top 10. Shea's at five. Imagine the stupidity that would have looked. You couldn't, you couldn't have done it. He's been unbelievable though. The center foolishness continues. How do you predict it? One thing you can predict is I can predict that they won't have the same starting center two games in a row. Kenrich Williams started here, had nine, seven, and seven. No chance he starts next game. If he does, oh my God. I'm getting everything out. I'm getting it all out. It's going to be a big nude party over here. That's how excited I'm going to be. Kenrich is a 14-team to 16-team league player um, who has 12-team streamers. While Lou Dort, yeah, at least he had four assists and two steals. That's good. 
but only 28 minutes, 12 points. And Giddy also suffered a little bit of a benching down the stretch. He came back in, Dort didn't. 16, 8, and 6 for Giddy with two steals. They both had some struggles in this one, but Giddy obviously the better player than Dort. Dort is a points league guy and not a category league player. If you want to know more information about Isaiah Joe, even in a shit night, he still has three threes. 14 minutes, he does nothing else, but he has three threes. Literally the best source of threes that's available in basically every league that you can find. You, you cannot find a more reliable source of three-point streaming, I don't think, than the big fella Isaiah Joe. The Wolves, they beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans are in some real trouble at the moment. They're struggling a lot. Things aren't going well at all. Good for the Wolves to get a win, 111-102. Goose dropped it again. 37 points for Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah, like, he's putting up just some very, very strong performances. How much of this is, like, Towns' absence? I think that's a part of it. But maybe he just is elevating. The last little run from him has been extraordinarily strong. You're seeing, what, you have six rebounds, five assists, nine of ten from long. Remember how bad he was free throws at the start of the year? He is starting to really put together some big numbers. And... I went ad adno- nauseum. No, I didn't go ad nauseum. I went crazy. I didn't go crazy. I was pretty cool, calm, and collected, saying, hey, for the love of God, don't drop Kyle Anderson. 10, 3, and 7, two steals, two blocks in 33 minutes. What's always important to understand if something happened because of something else rather than being coincidence. Last game, he played 12 minutes. In the game, Gobert returned. So a lot of people would have drawn the conclusion, well, Gobert's back, he's trash. Wasn't that? He just got foul trouble. Make sure if he was dropped, and he was, go and add him. The Wizard of Noz, Nas Reed, played 14 minutes, 6 and 7, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Again, we look at that and go, 2 steals, 2 blocks, Josh, I really still like that for my fantasy league. And I look at that and go, yeah, but 14 minutes isn't going to cut it. I'd, say, I'd, I'd be happy to have taken that today, but I wouldn't be holding on to him because of that. It's just not real. As for the big fella, the big Frenchman, the big baguette himself, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Played through the groin soreness, 35 minutes, 17 and 12, a steal and a block. Starting to get back to where he needs to be. Not quite there with the blocks, but everything else is starting to come along. D'Lo had 19 points with five assists. D'Angelo Russell, two steals. Well, Jaden McDaniels, is this, this bloke, I don't know what I'm going to call him, the roof, the ceiling. There's a massive cap on what he can do. It doesn't really appear to matter if he plays big minutes or small minutes or other players are out or other players are in. He just does nothing. 10-0 and 2. And I've said this all season. You do not have to roster him in the 12-team points league. In fact, get rid of him. What's the point? He's 148 in points leagues. Are you waiting for something to break for him? It's not going to happen. If you're in a points league, a 12-team points league, and you have JD McDaniels, I think give up. Not on life, but that's that's a separate issue. Just give up on rostering him. There's no point to it. I don't see why you would. In a category league, you probably still hold. But man, it's just it's got to be frustrating to watch the guy play and understand that there's just so many mediocre lines that get put out despite a strong role every game. It's frustrating. It is frustrating in your lands here as well. We had Brandon Ingram return. Old nine toes is back. 26 minutes, 13, five and five. That on the surface looks great. 22% shooting is dreadful. You love that he got 42 usage. Some of the shots going in would have been good, but it's very encouraging that he returned. They moved Najee Marshall to the bench in his return from his own toe problem. He played 27 minutes while Trey Murphy played 21. And that should makes me go, uh-oh. I don't think it makes either of them hard, like, easy to roster in 12-team leagues now. Najee had 5-4-4, four, and four, decidedly not good. And Trey Murphy had 6 points with 2 blocks, also decidedly not good. I would still prefer Trey over Najee, but 
this looks like it's going to be a messy situation that if you need a roster spot to grab, say, oh, someone like Kyle Anderson who was dropped, I would immediately drop Trey or Najee to do that. Larry Nance, the better games from Nance, I think are still going to come when Zion returns. Seven and three, not must roster. While Herbalife Jones, I'm sorry, he's only a steel specialist. He's Alex Caruso with more PR. Four and five on 22% shooting. He's a steel specialist. I know that people, some people drafted him in the 60s, which I'm sorry, that's that was crazy. And I make, I make bad draft picks all the time. That was that one was one that I saw coming that was crazy. I think we're just going to look at him as a steel specialist. And in a points league, fuck, no way. No way you need to hold him in a 12-10 points. So get him out of here. Strong game from uh, Devontae Graham. I honestly don't care at all about it moving forward. While McCollum had 25, 5, and 8 with two blocks, really strong there for him. While the big fella in the middle, 29 minutes for Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Vasilinovasas. 15 and 12. You've got a sell-high window until Zion comes back. To get any top 60 player back, you try and sell him. You wait for a couple more bigger games, but his value is going to be in the dunny when Zion comes back. I feel pretty confident about that. All right, we go next to uh, Sacramento, where the Raptors comfortably took care of the Sacramento Kings in this one, 113-95. Toronto wins it. Really good game from Siakam. In fact, he had... Hey, Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Two threes, two steals, two blocks to go with 26, 11, and seven and only needed to play 35 minutes. And then one of the other good things is his free throws have been really struggling and he hit both of them. Very good game. Van Vliet, 17, four and five, four steals and two blocks. After a struggle stretch, he's really coming along very nicely. Well, we also got a big out of nowhere Chris Boucher game. 22 minutes for the wiki, 16 and six with three blocks. It was also a good pressure secure game. Mate, am I coming around on him? I don't think I am, but that's good. 19 and 5 in 28 minutes. No defensive stats. He was great from the field. And those minutes are really intriguing. Now, this is obviously an, an insane rotation, again, where you play seven guys outside of 12 one-show minutes. So that enabled Achua's minutes to boost up. And we also got um, Ananobi get poked in the eye and was, wasn't able to close the game, although he was listed available to return. I get adding Achua. I'm not fully in and convinced in it. In a points league, I can see it maybe... But things are pushing up for him. So I get it. Like taking a flyer on guys like that is okay. He's just, he's not the sort of player that I gravitate towards from a real life perspective or even a fantasy perspective. But the results are pretty strong. And I've got no problem with doing that. And maybe he has evolved from where I've seen him the past three seasons to a better player. I'm not sure three games tells me that, but it was encouraging. Scotland Barnes wasn't encouraging. Seven points on shit-out shooting, but he had six rebounds, 10 assists, and two steals. So made up for it there. While the Jedi, someone talked to me, hey, should we be worried about uh, Ananobi's steals? Someone messaged me or commented on something. I said, steals are very, like they go up and down. And that's what happened. He had two steals and a block. The rest of the stuff, not that great. 11 points, three threes, but the steals were going to come. And then Gaz Trent, 16, five, and three. Pretty good numbers from, honestly, most of these players. On the King side of things, yeah, it was pretty ugly. Sabonis, only nine points, eight rebounds, and four assists, one of his worst games. He did have three steals, which helps, and Fanta Pants went off. 21 points, five threes, 67%. We know what this guy does. He'll either play 20 minutes and have four points, or he goes and shoots 70% from three in 38 minutes. It's all over the place. It's inconsistent. He does remain a 12-teamer, while Foxy had 16, four, and eight. Um, Keegan Murray, continuing to shoot really well. Continuing to struggle in some of the other areas, but 16 points, Four threes, 60% shooting, 57 from three. This level of shooting is not not realistic. 
He is a 41 or 42% shooter from three this season. I grant you that. I, I don't know that that, stop, that holds. But I know this current like 49, 50% three-point shooting is going to fall away. This is the perfect time to try and sell high on Keegan Murray if you can, I believe. Trey Lyles backed up his really good game with an okay game. 6-5-5, five, and five, the five assists are really good. A steal and a block, still think he's more of a 14-teamer. While the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Really bad plus minus, negative 23. So these minutes were limited. 10, 3, and 0. And you know what I've said about Barnes? I know people criticize, you know, oh, why won't you give him his respect? He's been doing this for a month. That's all well and good, but I don't believe that he can maintain 50% shooting. And when you're not providing rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks, or really doing much else of anything, that's where I have my concerns about the sustainability. And then he didn't hit every shot in the world and we got nothing out of him. That, that is my problem with Barnes as a fantasy player. That little hot streak was great. There's no way of knowing how long he remains a 50% three-point shooter. But when we're trying to look down the track, the longer you stay at that level when it's just not realistic to continue, that means that the more the higher guarantee of him having a cold stretch, it's going to be there. That's just how this sort of stuff tends to work. Now, he could come out and have a 45% weak shooting in the playoffs, which is really good, but there's not enough buffering the overall production from Barnes. Now, I've said all along with him, a fantasy playoffs guy, really, really good because you know that you're going to get a consistent role, consistent minutes with some upside push on shooting occasionally. But in terms of overall, can he ever be a consistent top 70 player? No, he's always going to be around that 120, 130 mark. So when we're trying to cycle through to get top 50 guys, top 60 guys, that's where you cycle through. So if you had made the move early on to drop a KCP or a Harrison Barnes to try and take a flyer on Jalen Duran or Walker Kessler or if someone dropped Alperin Sengun or Jalen Williams, like it pays off. That's what I mean when I talk about Barnes in that way. Malik Bunk, Monk, not Bunk, Malik Monk stepped up last game and then fell back off. 7-1-2, and two, so we push him back into the maybe streamer pile versus a guaranteed streamer or a guaranteed 12-team league player. But a pretty poor loss, I think, overall for the Kings in this one. The next game, the Jazz and the Blazers. Portland win at 124-134. Conley only had eight points for Utah, but 10 assists and two steals. Solid production. And the Padawan. It's a really good game from Colin Sexton. But again, how are we going to look at this? Because again, a lot of people will look at it and go, 19 points, Josh, that's awesome. And I agree, 19 points is really good. But it was 22 minutes only, and he shot 73% to get there. It's not sustainable. In 23 minutes a night, Colin Sexton has no chance of being a consistent 12-team league producer. And that's the worrying sign. We also got 18 minutes for Rudy Gay. Like, all right. I mean, cool. And it was a stinker from Walker Kessler. I would not drop him. Six and five with a block. Vanderbilt played 25 minutes and was actually really good. 12 and five with our second Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. I would still have Kessler over Vanderbilt, but that's an interesting development. Beasley did his thing. He hit three threes. He had added five assists. He remains like a streamer type sort of player. While Clarkson had 18, one and three. He's on a little bit of a downswing at the moment, Jordy, the man on the street. I think he can be better than this and I would still hold on to him. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Agbaji's losing minutes. He went scoreless in 12 of them. While Markkinen had 24 and four. Not uh, not, Lowry, not Lowry's best game, but you know, I think we give him a bit of a pass considering how well he had been playing. On the Blazers side of things, Dame Lillard. Oi, Damo, give us your lighter. Thought he was going to say it, didn't you? 40 minutes, 60 points, 9 threes, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 steals. This is the biggest buy-low bump of all time. I had him on the buy-low sell-high show two weeks ago where he was 55th. I said, yeah, he's going to improve. And now he's just going crazy. Like, this is obviously a sell-high moment if you can get a top-five player back. These are insane numbers. 
And with him doing that, we're still getting okay numbers from Simons and Grant. 39 minutes for Simons, 16, 4, and 9. 33% shooting is not great, but I love the nine assists. While Jeremy Grant shot well, 19, 5, and 2 with a steal and a block. Grant had struggled before this, 197th over the last week. Simons was uh, a little bit better, but it's good to see those numbers. Now, the thing I don't like is that the big fella Yusuf Nurkic had to leave with calf soreness, 10, 4, and 4. I don't think I would rush to grab Drew Eubanks, but I wouldn't be against it. 8 and 10, two steals, two blocks. Eubanks has done this all season. He's been a great deep league guy. We've preached him as a 16-team league guy for, for months. And as soon as, if Nurkic does miss, we grab Eubanks, his blocks, and field goal percentage are elite. So if you wanted to do it, do it. But then the other one I think is more worrisome is Josh the Hitman Hart, who left after nine minutes with a hamstring injury. We know what that means, that he'll get rushed back too soon. But what it does mean is that Nasir Little is going to get a chance. Little played 32 minutes in this game. Not that he did much, eight points with two threes, but he's going to get a chance at more minutes. That does not make Nasir Little a must-roster 12-team league player. He's a guy that doesn't have the most fantasy-friendly overall profile. He's going to have to share the shots with Simons, Lillard, Grant, and never get any of them. But as a reboundy, steely, blocky sort of a player, much like a Josh Hart, he's probably an interesting 14-team league grab. I'd be pretty surprised if Hart plays next game. And I think a week or so might be in the offing. And nearly every Blazers reporter seems to think that Little was going to take over from Hart anyway. And they think that this Hart absence means that Little will take over and Hart won't get the spot back. So while we don't have any confirmation on Hart missing time, we don't have any confirmation on Hart losing a starting spot to Little, that is the vibe that I'm getting and that I'm hearing. So if you wanted to drop Hart, not necessarily to add Little, but if you wanted to drop Hart for somebody else, I think you couldn't find a better time to do it. Shaden Sharp had five points in 18 minutes. We wouldn't be adding him. While Gary Payton's not really doing anything um, worthy of 12 or 14 team leagues at this point, he's more of a 16 to 18 team league guy. But some very interesting developments. The Eubanks stream. Eubanks would be a better op. If Nurkic is out, Eubanks is, Eubanks is significantly better than Little. Significantly. He will be a top 100 player if he's a starter for a prolonged period of time. But Nurkic's, Nurkic's. Nurk has had this calf issue for a while. Um, and it seems to always flare up. It happened in the last quarter. They were up pretty big, uh, but when the time it happened, so I'm not all that worried. Hearts happened really early. That's that's more of a worrying sign. No problem grabbing Eubanks. Little is more of a 14-team league guy, but the Eubanks one may not pay off is sort of how I'm feeling with that. All right, let's go to the Spurs and the Lakers. I'll cover this one because it finished before the Grizzlies-Warriors game, even though it started later, which is yeah, weird, but that's what happened. The Lakers get the comfortable victory on the back-to-back against the Spurs team that is really the only team that's blatantly tanking in the NBA. Because that's, how do you excuse Jakob Pertl playing 23 minutes? Was he playing particularly well? Not sure that he was, but these minutes continue to go down. And while we might have said that Pertl could have been a sell high, worried about a trade, with the way things are going, people are contemplating dropping him. Man, if he gets traded, he'll be a zero. I might as well get anything I can for him. And I say that's a chance to buy low. Why? Because he could go to a situation where he plays 27 minutes every single night. He could go to a place where he plays 30 minutes a night, like Toronto. And if you only have to give up very low prices to get him, and if it doesn't work out, oh well, I think it's worth doing. The Zach Collins luxury stash gained steam, 16 and 7 with two steals. And Cater Bates-Diop started in place of old mate Romeo Langford, who's out for a while apparently. 11 and 7, two steals and a block. Now back in his days at Ohio State, Bates-Diop was a very good steals player. He had two steals and a block here. He's at least someone to keep an eye on for like deeper leagues if he is going to start, which I think he will. Kelton Johnson, 25 and 5. That is, that's a Kelton line. 
Whose horse is that? No steals, no blocks, but he was good with uh, his free throws at least. And Jeremy Sohan, 14 and 7, three assists. He is looking like a 12 team league player. Trey Jones, yeah, nothing exciting there. 6'3 and 6 with four steals, but the six assists and four steals are good. While Josh Richardson is back into that stream zone, not a 12 team league player. 7 and 7, 25%, just all over the place. No consistency to remain a 12 team league guy. But with the Lakers, Anthony Davis is back. 26 minutes. Allegedly, his limit was going to be 24, but he played 26. 21 and 12, one steal, four blocks. He sprained his ankle at the end of the third quarter on a three-quarter court heave, landed on Zach Collins' foot. He was okay. That's it. It's just great that he's back. What we can do, know, though, is uh, we can jack off Tom Bryant. Get that garbage out of here! Eight and five with a steal and a block. He took three shots. He's just not going to play enough with Davis back. Now, the only reason you would hold him is, go, oh, I'm worried Davis is going to get injured. You can say that about a lot of different players. I'm not all that keen on doing it for Bryant, but I get it. Dennis Schroeder, 38 minutes is a lot. Nine, eight, and five is okay. Four steals and two blocks is elite. I don't think this level of production from Schroeder is something we can rely upon. I think he's he's fine to have. He's fine to drop. While LeBron had 29 and 11, subpar percentages, but yeah, it's just good to get those numbers. I think Russ is uh, really going to struggle here. 28 minutes, 14, 2, and 4. Didn't take a free throw, which is actually good. But with Davis back, the reliance on him to generate shots is not going to be there. And what about the guy that they traded for, Rui Hachimura? Well, this is... This is Rui Hachimura. This is his line. He had 17 usage. I think he'll probably be around 20 usage usually. He played 22 minutes. He had 12 and 6 with one assist, one steal, one three. He, it could have been better. He could have shot better from the line. He was three of six, but he's not an elite three-point shooter. He's not an elite um, free-throw shooter. And he was one of three from three, which is just who he is. 12-team points league value is there. He will move into a starting job at some point ahead of like a Troy Brown. No question about that. In the 24 minutes that Max Christie gets, no problem that Rui's going to do that. But he's just not a well-rounded um, category league player. He's taller DeAndre Hunter. And when Davis is rolling and LeBron is rolling and Schroeder's there, like, is he going to get enough shots to generate enough points to be useful enough in your category league? And I think the answer is going to end up being no. Again, there's absolutely no problem with taking it and seeing what happens. And you might be actually really pleased with that performance. I think, but I think that's just sort of really what he does. This is his role. He can score okay, but the overall production level in a category league just isn't there usually for him. And nothing that happened in this game changes my mind on that. Now we do that last game, the second last game, which actually finishes the last game. The Grizzlies lose to the Warriors 120-122, and we had a surprise. Now, pre-game, Taylor Jenkins says, hey, we might have to mix up, match, mix and match our rotations and our starting lineups with Steve Adams out, and they did. So, Brandon Clark started. Let's ask the question that I think needs to be asked. Is it because they were going up against a Warriors team that was starting Draymond Green at center? Or will they go with Brandon Clark each game and not Xavier T. Illman? I think it probably leans more in the former category. Now, I firmly believe, and I said this yesterday, that Brandon Clark is the better player than Tillman. And if you can get 25 minutes a night, he's the guy you go for. And I still probably take that upside risk on him. And that's that's what happened. It worked out pretty well. But I'm not sure he's going to be 32 minutes every night. We literally have to look back one game where Stephen Adams was out and he played 13 minutes. So I, it could be a bumpy ride, but I'd, if the bumpy ride is going to be bumpy, I'd rather take the bumps on Clark, the better player, versus the bumps on Tillman, the worst one. 19 and 8 for Clarko on 80% shooting. Strong ad, right? As for Xavier, 3 and 5. He had three steals. If it's going to be like this, though, I'm not interested. Zaire had two points in 24 minutes, while Dylan Brooksy Brooks had 10 points with two threes. The world. 
Morant was pretty good apart from the terrible free throws, 58% on 12 attempts, but 29-4 and 13, two steals and a block. And Baino had 20 and four assists. Um, Jaron, not a great game from him, 28 minutes, 17 and six with no defensive stats. Not very often you get that from Jaron. A um, little bit of a disappointment. And there were people who were thinking that you're going to get big Santi Aldama numbers with um, Adams out. He exclusively played behind Jaron Jackson. 20 minutes, 13 points, two threes. That's not bad. He hit 100% of his shots to get there, and he's not a 12-team or probably a 14-team league at. He does not really benefit that much, from, if at all, from Steven Adams being out. On the Warriors' side, Steph got ejected because Jordan Poole took a terrible shot, so Steph threw his mouth guard into the crowd. He was ejected with a minute left. 34-2-3, two steals and four threes for Steph. A fantastic game. Poole, outside of some shot selection issues, was pretty good as well. 31 minutes, 21-5-7, while Kaminga spot started for Wiggins. 24 minutes for Kaminga, 13, 2, and 4. That, that's totally okay. I wouldn't rush to grab him in any even 14-team leagues. Looney had eight rebounds. He's a great rebound streamer. Well, we got big minutes of DiVincenzo. Now, some of that is the small lineup. Some of that is Wiggins being out. Eight points in 34 minutes for Dante. He's fine to have as a back-end 12-team league guy, but you're probably going to get more use out of streaming that spot. We had Jermichael Green back into the rotation. He did nothing, while Clay had 24, 3, and 3. Inefficient, 39% and one of two from the line, but the volume of that scoring is pretty good from Clay Thompson. Let's go to the lines of the night to wrap this bastard up. The monstrous, of course, goes to the man in Portland, Damian Lillard. Oi, Damo, give us your lighter. The waiver wire line of the night is Patrick Connaughton. The young gun is El Prenshengun, and the other night is Herbalife Jones. Your top 10 players in category leagues, number one is Lillard. Followed by Shingun, followed by Shea Gildas Alexander. Kyrie's at four, Siakam's at five, Connaughton's at six, Maxi's at seven, Trey Young at eight, Jim Harden at nine, and Tone Davis at number 10. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Pat Connaughton, yeah, I don't really buy into that. Seth Curry, I do. He's worth a stream with a good schedule. Back to back tomorrow. Chris Boucher, yeah, no. Uh, Gary Harris, no. They're like 16 teamers. Chris Duarte, maybe if Nempard remains out, but that was really floated by six deals today. And I don't really think we value him at that level. Um, Zach Collins, yes. Drew Eubanks, maybe a 12-team ad. Wouldn't mind it. John Kaminga, 14 to 16. Same with Bates Diop, who could have an extended run as a starter here. And then Kendrick Nunn. Uh, I'd like to see it when Morris is back. I don't really buy into it. Top 10 points league players. Number one, Damian Lillard, followed by Shengun, Siakam, Gildas Alexander, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Ja Morant, Aaron Gordon, CJ McCollum, Kyle Kuzma, and... Kyrie Irving. And guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, hey, thumb it up. Get those subs up to 60K. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.